Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's been an incredibly quiet couple of weeks in the markets. Yeah, it? it's really nothing going on. It's I mean, amazing. No, no headlines. No, nothing going on here. Amazing. Just, uh, yeah, just really, you know, just boring. Yeah, boring cr- stuff. Crickets. Yeah, right. You know, no election stuff. No, no, no virus no, stuff. No, I hadn't heard nothing. much about that. No. Nothing at all. Yeah, but maybe we should cover it anyway. I think we will. <laughs> we'll talk about the. Ex- it, just in case it gets exciting going yes. forward, because it, it could be. I've heard it, that yeah. might be something going on. I think on. maybe the markets are moving a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's been unprecedented <laughs> volatility in the markets. Yeah. It's been a little crazy, but hey, you know, I mean, you got to step back. That's why you we're gotta, here. You guess right. You got to look at the big picture, and we're here to help you look at the big picture, not get too excited and caught up in the daily activities that are going on, because... There are a few things going on, John, you know, and I mean, we're going to start off with, um, you know, the five market correction moves, um, you know, things to do when markets are in a correction. There, there are some opportunities out there and there's some things you should do and some things you shouldn't do. So we're going to jump into that. Yeah. And then we're going to double that and go to the 10 mistakes investors make without advisors. Ooh, yeah. there you go. Yep. 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 Interesting. <clears throat> you know, some people um, don't Gotta use go. advisors and that's okay. Uh, there's different ways to invest out Absolutely. there. Certainly. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, advisors do add some value to the process and Part of that's education, and we'll kind of go through some other ones as well. So it's a good uh, good discussion. Yeah, sometimes it helps to have a little perspective that you can somebody you can talk to, you know. <clears throat> um, but um, before we get into that, you know, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years of experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I am a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can sit there from your computer and listen to it. Or you can certainly download it from iTunes or you know all the other places you can get podcasts out there. A lot of folks listening out there. So uh, you know we really ramp up and prepare for these things because uh, this stuff is important. Right? It really is. Right. Right. Very, very important. So, uh, and check us out on our, our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, and this has to do with the uh, the volatility we've seen, Steve. You know, last week um, there were back to back losses of three percent, and um, that's the tenth time it's occurred uh, since nineteen fifty. So, you know, it's not unprecedented. It's certainly unusual, right? Um, but you know, in the the nine previous times, the S and P five hundred was up one year later every single time. Those ten times or the nine times that it occurred. And the average gain was about 23%. Now, it ranged from 6% up to 45% up. And, uh, you know, the disclaimer, past performance does not guarantee future results. That's right. But this is just a data point. Yeah. I mean, it was always up, you know. I mean, so it's an interesting fact. I mean, you got to admit, you know, I mean, history shows that it would be a bad time to sell. I I think so. I mean, you know, we don't try to predict the markets, but we can look back at history a little bit and gather some some wisdom, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's a good financial fact because it leads us right into our first topic here, and that is the five correction moves, um, you know, to make or to consider, you know. And, John, I mean, this virus situation certainly has investors and and everyone really on edge a little bit. you know, we saw a remarkable level of volatility last week as 
you know, the Dow took a, you know, 3,500 point drop and then regained a third of that on Monday. Um, and then it's been up and down since then. Um, you know, and with the looming arrival of COVID-19, what they're calling it now, by the way, mm-hmm. COVID-19 to a town near you, <laughs> you know, I mean, you might think it's time to sell everything and push the panic button. Um, well, I mean, that's what the financial media seems to always be impressing on you, you know, during a scare and a market correction like this. Um, they fixate on how bad the economy is or the markets or health issues might be. But of course, I mean, the reasons are always unique, too, and they're always rather scary. I mean, there are different things. We went through 9-11, right? We went through a whole bunch. We've been through a whole bunch of things over the last, you know, 20 years. And uh, I mean, this time is certainly no different. It's a, it's a little scary when you start, you know, imagining what can happen. Um, and we've all seen pictures of people that were quarantined on the cruise ship last month or you know, in that assisted living facility this past week, um, which makes us all question our vacation plans, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and there's been a run on mask and hand sanitizer <laughs> at the pharmacy. How about milk? Because milk. Yeah, uh, I don't know about milk. I it, haven't gone to buy milk. But yeah, I don't think milk. Would, I'm just saying when it snows down here in the true, south, you know, you true, milk true. and bread. And there probably are people stocking up on food, too, thinking yeah. they're going to be, you know, quarantined for a month. Um you know, I mean, we hit the official correction territory last Friday, you know, and the doomsdayers are out there and they're out, coming out of the woodwork now, you know, of course. But no one really knows how this virus is going to play out in the end. And, you know, there is a lot of precedent for how markets typically react and eventually recover from these type of events. Yeah. So the question is, what should you do in response to this kind of market? I mean, should you be selling um, or maybe going more conservative. Um, how about changing up your portfolio to something you know defensive like dividend stocks or maybe preferred stocks? And you know, should you bail the first time the markets go back up or the second big leg down? A lot of questions. And um, you know, there's always those who who say sell everything and and pay off your mortgage and batten down the hatches, put it underneath the mattress. But the truth is that history shows us that that no one knows where the market's going to go. It, it could go down further from here. We just don't know. And um, and certainly no one can time it consistently. And if that's true, then all these moves we just talked about are not likely going to help since timing is difficult and expensive if you if and when you get it wrong. Most people do get it wrong. And they do. You have to get it right multiple times for this to work out. So it's not a it's not a very good strategy. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you got to make two right moves, you know, and that is very, very difficult to make the timing of that. And uh, most people don't have the guts to buy back in at a lower price. Mm. Quite frankly, a market's a leading economic indicator. It heads higher um, before you start to feel better and before the economy. And everybody's always scratching their heads when it heads higher and thinking, you know, wow, why is it going up? You know, things aren't better it's yet. It's a fake move is what that's, they think. That's what they think. And they're right. It doesn't, it doesn't go up for good reason. It just it hits bottom and there's... All of a sudden, there's a lack of sellers, and there's more buyers and sellers, you know, that, that want to sell, buy and sell. So there's, it goes up before you think it should go up. That's the bottom line. So you can't time these moves accurately. It is very, very difficult. I didn't have anybody call me this past weekend and say, hey, I want to buy on Monday. I yeah. think the market's going up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no. No, I mean, it's very unproductive. Everybody thought it was going down. I heard that, you know, on the news all weekend that Monday's going to be a rough day. Yeah. Turns out it regained like well, a third of what is now. And it, it it regained because they were excited about a rate cut. And then when a rate cut happened on Tuesday, <laughs> the market dropped. went down. Yeah. It, so it's, trying to figure this out sometimes short term is, is not, not you, good. You really can't do it. <clears throat> yeah. So, so what are the moves that you should make in a down market like this? 
You know, I mean, as humans, we have this strong urge to be proactive in a down market and feel like we we are doing something to help. Well, the good news is that there are some constructive things that you could do and should do um, in this kind of market. Um, and this can be an opportunity, right? So, um, so here are five things that investors need to do as this correction plays out in the stock market. And it kind of finds its, its, its path to the future here. Of course, the first one is to take a deep breath and review your long-term plan. You know, it's tempting to tinker with your portfolio during down markets like this, but history and research shows that that should not be your priority. In fact, you should practice the art of patience. Take a deep breath, review your financial plan for the future, you know, and as markets go down, um, it's usually both constructive and encouraging to review where you are in relation to your long-term plans. It may seem worse than it really is because it's easy to forget how bad things felt the last time markets were down. However, corrections are completely normal and they're expected. So take a deep breath, refocus on your long-term goals, realize that this this too will pass and markets historically have recovered um, on average, like a hundred and a uh, little over a hundred days, yep. um, on average from a 10 to 15% correction, a couple months, a couple months. So, you know, don't panic. Um, you know, keep this in perspective. Yeah. Another thing to consider, and this may sound wild and crazy, but adding money to your accounts. Um, that's right. You mean buying down? Yeah. Buying, when it's down? Yeah. Yeah, I know no that's way. I know that's kind of strange. Wow. You don't hear that in the the marketplace no, too often. You don't. But uh, you know, adding money to your accounts, um, if you have some extra, you know, this could be an opportunity. I mean, how often are stocks on sale at you know ten to fifteen percent discount? Typically, only happens about once a year, roughly. So statistically, this could be a great time to go shopping for investments. Um, you know, it could head lower from here. That's certainly a possibility. There's no way to time that, but if it does, maybe you put some more in. Yeah, I heard Warren Buffett went on a buying spree this past week. Yeah, well, he's, he's probably got some excess cash. Yeah, probably, you know, <laughs> but he's also a pretty smart investor, you know. He, he is. I mean, so, you know, when you're sitting here three years from now, the odds are, you know, you'll probably look back on this and say, wow, that was a terrific opportunity uh, to buy some some cheaper shares. So, you know, consider, you know, taking some some extra cash. Now, we don't recommend taking emergency, emergency fund money. you got to no, leave that alone. That's, right. that's not what we're talking about here. But maybe putting some additional dollars um, to work as well. That's right. And if you went more conservative in your 401k a year ago, um, then now might be a great time to move back into a reasonable growth allocation. Um, you know, that's not to say that you want to take more risk than you're comfortable with or more risk than your time horizon would support, but take this opportunity to move back into the correct allocation um, and stock exposure if you, you know, have the right time horizon and risk tolerance for that. Um, so the second one here, John, is to make sure you're diversified. You know, I mean, it it seems foolish to have to keep mentioning this, but many investors simply fail to diversify. You know, they own a lot of their employer stock, for instance, in their 401k plan, or they're loaded up on one particular sector. Well, now may be the time that you really want to be diversified. And when markets do recover, <clears throat> you want to get your share of that recovery, um, you know, I mean, how many people were loaded up on technology stocks in 2002 when the markets mm-hmm. started to recover? Um, I mean, I could tell you it didn't recover nearly as fast as the market. In fact, it took over 10 years for the NASDAQ to regain that original 5,000 level that they were in March of 2000. 
Um, 10 years is a long time. You can't afford to, to, to go through that. So you need to be diversified. I mean, the S&P 500 had a lost decade, mm-hmm. you know, during that time as well, where it returned negative return over 10 years. So you can't be loaded up on one asset class. You have to be diversified. Diversify into eight or 10 different asset classes in your 401k and all of your investment accounts so that you have the best chance to recover with the markets when that happens. Yeah, another thing to consider, Steve, is uh, rebalancing your accounts. And uh, now may be a great time to do that. We're actually going through that uh, with our clients' accounts. We do that on a quarterly basis. And, you know, as an example, let's say you have an emerging markets fund, um, uh, then it, you know, it's probably down. And let's say, as an example, you had an 8% target. Uh, it could be down to 5% of your portfolio. So maybe you go sell about 3% in bonds and pull it back into the emerging markets allocation the, the shares are, are lower than what they've been historically. So you know, market correction can be a great opportunity to sell some things in your portfolio that have held up best. And in the, this environment, it's probably bonds. And buy something into uh, the one of the worst performing asset classes, and you buy in at a lower rate. So that's not a bad deal. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. I mean, rebalancing is simply a discipline technique to force you to buy a little bit of what's low and sell a little bit of what's high and it keeps you the correct risk level so you know research shows that rebalancing improves your return over time so you know you got to just do that um the next one here on the list john is is tax loss harvesting or a roth conversion so Mm -hmm. there's kind of two potential moves here that can help you um down the road with taxes um yes we know it's it's painful to see your hard-earned investments down 10 or 15 percent in a correction but, you know, there is a silver lining, and that's taxes. If you have a taxable account that's down, could be an opportunity to do some tax loss harvesting. Um, or, as I mentioned, it may be time to do a Roth conversion. In your IRA, you could convert your Roth, your IRA to a Roth um, while the market's down, and, and so you pay less taxes when you do that conversion. Right? Yeah, and when it comes back up, it's in after-tax money. It's in, That's a good it's deal. in tax-free money, yeah. tax-free environment. Yep. It'll be tax-free forever. You know, but the same thing with, uh, with harvesting losses. You can l- harvest losses while the market's down. You can buy back a similar asset. Um, you got you to gotta wait 30 days if you're going to buy back the same exact asset because that's called the wash-sale rule. You have to avoid that. But you can buy similar assets that are also down, and you can harvest those losses. Then you can claim that against ordinary income, up to $3,000 against ordinary income each year. Um, you can offset any other realized gains with the rest of that, and you can carry it forward for an unlimited number of years and use it down the road. I mean, it's it's a pretty beautiful thing when you're filing your taxes, knowing that you have a tax loss kind of ace in the hole that you can put out anytime you need to against realized gains or that $3,000 against ordinary income. So that's a great tool. Yeah, so the key is is uh, selling it. There's a wash rule. You can't put it back in the same security within 30 days. So that's right. you've got to put it back into the market to you know stay invested. Yeah, so you want to be careful. you got to know what you're doing, but it's a good move that you can do you know, during down markets. Yeah, and the final thing here is, and you mentioned this, be patient. I mean, it truly is a virtue in, in tough markets like these, and, and no one knows how this is going to play out. And we're not sitting here saying we do, right? Uh, we don't know which way the markets are going to go. But we look back at history a little bit and understand how markets have reacted historically. And, you know, watching the ups and the downs every day is like analyzing every tick, um, you know, and it's simply not healthy. 
uh, or helpful for that matter. So it's going to cause you anxiety, maybe losing sleep. So at worst, it'll entice you to make poor emotional decisions. So when markets are turbulent like this, you simply need to tune out the financial media, practice patience. Like you mentioned earlier, look at your plan, do some um, proactive steps, rebalancing, maybe add some money. Um, it's maybe a great time to start a new hobby. And uh, that doesn't include reading financial news daily. No, that's not something <laughs> you want to do. Take that off your plate. When things are negative, you know, you got to kind of control your emotions. And part of that is to yeah. limit your access to out. negative information. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Very good. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. And this, we just kind of hit this a little bit, but uh, with all the volatility in the market, should I move to a more conservative portfolio? And I know I've had this discussion with, with quite a few folks. And, um, you know, we, we really think exactly opposite, right? I mean, when the markets go down, if you're a long-term investor, this may be a good opportunity to actually buy. So maybe increasing your 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 stock uh, allocation. It may not be appropriate for you, but you got to look at it. Adding some money as well and doing some rebalancing to buy low. So no, we wouldn't say go more conservative at this point. Now, if it if this is really concerning, then maybe when it does come back up, maybe you do need to change your allocation. Yeah, I mean maybe you are in a more too aggressive portfolio, and it and you might need to go more conservative. I wouldn't do it right now. I mean, I'd give it a few months, take a deep breath, let things recover. They they will recover eventually. And when they recover, then it's time to, you know, step back, you know, into the correct allocation for your situation and your risk level and your comfort level. Um, but I wouldn't do it during a market correction. So great question of the week. All right. And that leads us up to our next topic here. And that is the 10 mistakes investors make without an advisor. Yeah, this comes from uh, Bryce Sanders. Um, and, uh, you know, Steve, sometimes, you know, cutting out the middleman is is a bad idea. I mean, there's some definitely some good solutions out there in the marketplace. There are competitors um, that uh, do a good job from an asset allocation standpoint. But, you know, a lot of people want to, um, you know, go directly to the source. And when the market does well, uh, a lot of people think, you know, anybody can do what an does so human nature often delivers a different story so we're going to go through 10 mistakes here that we see uh, and the first one is is you know people tend to micromanage so you know in the industry it's called day trading and uh, we see that a lot if you watch CNBC they, they kind of promote most of the time trading uh, we're investors we're long-term investors but you know if you're trading uh, in and out um, you know it's it's difficult they're on the smartphones all the time because trading is so easy and uh, there's an oft, often quoted analogy, your portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you handle it, the smaller it gets. That's <laughs> yeah, interesting. I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah, so you got to be careful with that. The second one is um, people sell their winners and they hold the losers. And, and we're, we're thrilled when we make money. We think we're smart and you know we're slow to admit the mistakes, writing them down. But investors forget the percentage increase re- required to make themselves whole is greater than the percentage loss that got them there. So, you know, trying to you know, time the market is kind of buried in this one. You can't time the market. I mean, yeah, the data <clears throat> shows us historically that, that even professional money managers are not good at that. Yeah, and people selling their winners. I mean, that is the classic mistake because people don't understand the stock market. They don't understand that 19% of the market makes all of the positive return, you know, over over long periods of time, you know, I mean, there's so if you're out there buying individual stocks, the odds are greatly against you. If you don't get your share of those 19 percent of the apples and the Netflix and the things that just explode to the upside um, and if you don't let them run so that they can gain, you know, the, the incredible gains that they do over time then you're not going to keep up with the market. Um, so you can't you can't sell your winners. 
you know, and cherry pick those thinking that you're going to, you're going to get your share of, of those to cover the losers in, in the portfolio. People just don't understand the stock market in general. And that's a big fallacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big fallacy. It hurts folks. Um, you know, another one here, John, is people assume the lowest cost solution is often the best. Um, you know, it commoditizes the, the business and kind of tri- trivializes the value of advice. Um, you know, you, you've heard the quoted, you know, you've heard the quote attributed to um, John Glenn. You know, I, I felt exactly how you would feel if you were getting ready to launch and you knew you were sitting on top of two million parts, all built by the lowest bidder <laughs> on a government contract. <laughs> that speaks volume. That <laughs> does speak volumes. Yeah, I mean, the lowest cost solution is not always the best. You know, I mean, you know, there are times when you get what you pay for, and um, sometimes it is. It is very valuable to have somebody, you know, I equate this kind of to doing taxes sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, if you have a complicated tax situation, a good tax advisor, a good tax accountant um, is worth more than their weight in gold. And, you know, they can save you a lot of money. It's complicated. There's no doubt. So the fourth one here is people lose interest and investing has become a a spectator sport. And, um, you know, if they look at it and they see a lot of their friends doing it, um, but it's said that only about 8% of people stick to their New Year's resolutions, and 80% fail, and two out of five people quit their diets within seven days. So investing is serious. I mean, when you start getting close to retirement and you have you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, there's a lot of money at stake, and it's very expensive to lose and make mistakes in that. So that's one reason why people do use advisors, because you're starting to deal with you know, your future, and uh, people realize, hey, this is, this is complicated. This is not easy. Uh, number five is people buy things they don't understand. Investment products can be complicated, um, especially when people borrow money or get into uh, certain products that are very confusing. Um, they buy something because their their friend bought it. So, got, <laughs> excuse me, you got to read the fine print. Um, you know, a lot of times we see people come in with annuities. Annuities are very complicated, um, and people don't understand them. So you got to understand what you're investing in. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a good one. Um, also, though, people forget about investments. You know, I mean, there's a downside to giving up paper statements. I mean, your notifications are now are online. Um, maybe you need to go looking for them. You know, sometimes it's easy to buy something, especially if it's small and you forget you have it. You know, the the orphaned IRA is a good example. I mean, many advisors, you know, know that someone who bought a stock, you know, maybe made money, but they wrote it down to pennies when they're on the dollar because, it wasn't in their major account at the big firm, you know, with their advisor maybe. And, and, you know, that's why they, you know, consolidating assets makes sense. So you kind of get it all in one place so you can see it. So you pay attention to it. And, you know, of course, it helps to have some outside advice when it comes time to yep. to getting all together as well. Yeah. And people buy on uh, friends recommendations or Uncle Uncle Tom, Uncle Joe, you know, hey, my barber told me to buy this this stock. I heard it was really good. So, you know, buying on a friend's suggestion um, probably is not wise. No. I mean, the information that is out there on a stock is known by millions of people and it's incorporated, you know, when it comes out. It's already it's in the price. All that information is already in the price. You're you're too late. If you're reading the, you know, some article online about a stock, that information is already in the price. It's way too late. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. Number eight here is people keep track of their gains and losses in their heads. And you ever wonder why your you know credit card balance gets so high? It's second nature to hand it over uh, when buying something. It's easy. So, uh, you know, you wonder where the money goes in your bank account. 
Uh, it's the same reason, cash advances. And investment performance isn't something you should do for memory. You got you to gotta spend some time on it, understand, be diversified, understand what you're investing in. Yeah, people have selective memory, so you don't want to rely on your memory when it comes to your investments. And, you know, people also often fall into the trap of not acting but reacting. You know, they get scared out of the market by what they hear on TV, by, you know, all the sensationalism about this virus that's going on out there, you Mm -hmm. know, all the news and imagining, you know, that they're going to be quarantined or something. You know, it it, it causes people to react um, and not they're not, um, you know, they're not acting proactively, but instead they're reacting. And, you know, the Dow doesn't rise or fall anymore. I mean, it's it soars and plunges. You know, there are these ups and big ups and downs that happen in the market. Um, you know, you've seen the statistics of what the average growth fund returned over time compared to what the average growth fund investor earned over time. You know, the truth is there's a big gap there. It's because investors typically make the wrong mistake, the wrong moves. Yeah. You know, if you're messing with your portfolio, it's like that bar of soap. It, it eventually gets smaller. Yeah, that's right. It becomes slippery and it goes goes away. So the last one here is another really good one. People under, misunderstand diversification. And, and we see this time and time again. During the dot-com boom and crash, um, there were a lot of investors who thought they were diversified because they owned a lot of stocks in the technology world. Uh, They were in the same sector, the same industry, and they were actually very concentrated. And we see that. We can look at people's portfolios when they come in with they may have 15 mutual funds and 12 of them own the same stocks. Large U.S. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And that's fine when large U.S. is doing well. But as we mentioned earlier... They go through periods of time where they underperform significantly. So, you know, not every investor makes all of these mistakes and certainly not every advisor avoids all of them. Um, But, uh, you know, some people will benefit from working with an advisor, right? Some people can do it on their own. They they like it. It's a hobby. It's a passion. Um, But, uh, you know, being disciplined and taking the emotion out is very difficult particularly in these type of times. So having a, a third party that's uh, on your side, on the same se- uh, you know side of the table, can be helpful and beneficial. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to take your hobby and gamble with your life savings with yes, it either. You right. know, I mean, sometimes hobbies need to be kind of a small part of your assets, not, not everything. <laughs> so keep that in perspective. Um, and then this, this leads us up to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so, uh, you know, people are going to start scamming on the coronavirus, right? Online scams. Unfortunately. Yeah, similar to other ones. They send you an email. Um, there's a recent one that's come out that says, urgent coronavirus. Can we count on your support today? And it's uh, apparently coming from the Department of Health, and it, you know, asks you for, for money, and then it has a link in there. Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, the the link, instead of being an HTTPS, um, which is a secure link, it actually has HXXP. So just don't general in general don't click on links. No, <clears throat> go no. directly to the website if it's from FedEx or whoever. Go to their website and you can track your package or you know people asking for money. Don't give money over the. Yeah, you need to be suspicious of emails that come from folks you don't know and, you know, they're unsolicited like that. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of scams out there and the coronavirus is just another opportunity for the scammers to be out there and try to try to get it in your pocket. So be very careful, be, be, you know, diligent and avoid the scammers around this time around. Okay, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions 
at uh, info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 